Well, hello boys and girls, sports fans and assorted waves and strays. Guess who? It's Den here from Diginomica and it is Thursday the 6th of June 2019. We have a very special uh, recording for you today, introducing Rose Hayes from JLL talking about digital transformation and workfront. Who am I with today? Hi, my name is Rose Hayes and I live on the North Shore of Kauai in the small village of Haena and I work for JLL. JLL is a multinational real estate firm. We provide professional services and products to the owners, occupiers and investors of real estate. Basically anything having to do with a building, we're your people and we'll help you achieve your business ambitions. You had to get the bloody Hawaiian thing in, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, well, that's kind of the most interesting thing about me, I've been told, so uh, why right. not? Okay, so when you talk about if you're an owner of a, of a property, we is it facilities management? What is it? It's, it's for, uh, sorry, can you say, I didn't quite understand. Facilities management. Facilities management. So facilities management is one of the service mm-hmm. lines that we provide. Um, we also do... Um, Property management services, so we could uh, we could do leasing and transactions. We could find tenants. We can represent tenants. We can fill space. We can upgrade space, retrofit space, do projects around that. We can help uh, in investors uh, find properties to invest in. We can help them with uh, capital markets, things of of that nature. So it's really you know, facilities, but also quite a bit beyond that. We do quite a bit now around energy and sustainability and green building certifications. And we see a tremendous amount of opportunity with smart buildings and some of this new technology that's really Where, where is the company based? We are headquartered in Chicago, but we have 300 offices. We're multinational, we're in 80 countries, and we have over 91,000 employees. But presumably those services will vary from country and region to region. Sure. It, because the the governance around how you deal with property in America will be different to certain That's right. So That's right. So we, we really specialize in markets too. So we, okay. we take a markets and an industries approach okay. to how we manage real estate so that we can accommodate those different regional differences or country differences that we're okay. going to see. Okay. And what do you do? I do, a, I do a lot of talking these days. I, uh, I believe at this point I'm a, a thought leader and a visionary around can I, can I have your job? digital transformation. You can, you know, but today I had to have a conversation as well um, about why we needed to have certain people approve a project. All right. And, and so that uh, conversation was interesting because the project is in the budget for the year. Uh, it was planned to be done. It was included in the original budget. It was included in the six plus six, which we just did a few weeks ago. Uh, but what we're seeing is that some of our leaders are deciding uh, with a more data-driven based decision-making process that we have with some of these new tools now, they're deciding not to do some things or to do them at different times. So just because it's budgeted, just because we had planned to do it, doesn't necessarily mean we're going to do it right now. So we have, in that business line, we have a very ambitious client project right now where we are upgrading technology and we're kind of bringing in some next generation tools. And if we were to work on this internal project, even though it's nominal, it could serve as a distraction. And we really want to have the focus on the client project right now. So we're deciding not to do it. So that conversation around, yes, I know you were planning to do this, I know you have the team to do it, but we want all hands on deck 
all focus on this project until we deliver it. Those are the types of decisions that we're having right now. So what I find interesting is that while we're seeing um, sometimes the, the length of time to deliver a project or approve a project be really shortened and concise because we have these automated tools, we're also seeing people make more informed decisions okay. and, and choosing to not do projects or to do them later. Okay, but what do you actually do though? What do I actually do? So I kind of, <laughs> I, uh, I uphold that process and I kind of move things through that process. I'm a little bit of the gatekeeper for the capital budget. Um, a little bit of the gatekeeper for the OPEX budget, and I oversee some of our strategy, and I really try to connect the different people. So sometimes I do manage projects, but what I seem to do a lot of is, is implementing Workfront and implementing some of these digital transformation tools internally and running some of the governance around it and, and trying to connect the right people and have them make the right decisions. And just so that everybody knows, you're a technologist at heart, right? Is I am a technologist. Thank you for using that word because in Hawaii, uh, there's a lot of people who don't really understand what I do. You know, and I can understand that. I can get that. Yeah, it's a little vague, right? Even people who understand what I do in the industry go, "Well, that's kind of a cush job, right? That you get to be this gatekeeper and you're the person who says no to things." And uh, but but being a technologist is is really like the core of it, right? And I think a lot more of us are becoming technologists. We're feeling like we're technologists mm. because technology has become so pervasive in our lives. Mm. Mm. But there are people who can use a smartphone and they're technologists, right? They, they might be. Right. Right? Right, right. Okay. We're at a Workfront event. Where does Workfront fit into to what you're doing? So we're in, we've embarked on our own digital transformation journey, and we really started this a couple of years ago. And we're transforming our business, and our clients are transforming their businesses, and Workfront is one of the tools that we're using to help us make better data-driven decisions. Okay, so it's but an where internal did, tool. All right. Yeah. But where, how do you define digital transformation? Because I've heard about 100 different versions of it. Sure. Well, what I would say is that it's, it's taking something that used to be more manual and relying on the data and using the data and having that at your fingertips to help you make more informed decisions. So we're, we're taking a lot of things. We're doing um, machine learning, we're doing Internet of Things, we're, we're doing things with new technology where we can get more data, but now we're at this cusp, right, as, as, a, as just a society where we have so much data at our hands that we have to decide what data is the meaningful data. Yeah, but uh, let me just press you on this a little bit yeah. further, because if here's one way of looking at it. We need to digitize stuff so that we can get to the point where we have digital assets. But then it's a case of, well, what do you do with it? If you do the same stuff that you did before, then that's not transformation, that's increment, incremental yes. change, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so how would you say that the way in which you're moving would represent a transformation? So what I would say is that we're really elevating the type of work that people are doing, Okay. right? We're, we're taking a job and we're kind of evolving that job. So where I might have had a task that took me more time to do in a different tool mm. because I was copying and pasting data from one tool to another tool or pulling data from multiple sources to try to synthesize it and then having conversations, whether those were in, in meetings or via email or instant messenger, if I can do that all in one tool, 
It saves me time. And then I can put my time into looking at things like our forecasts and coming up with better predictions on when things are going to deliver and really looking into what the data is telling me and getting insights out of that data. Or perhaps even fresh ideas about how you might want to deal with the new projects. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Looking at it, it's just, it's really freeing up some of my time from doing those more repetitive tasks so that I have more time to really think intelligently about the work that's in front of me. And then it allows me to help provide better direction and leadership to everyone around me so that we're making more intelligent decisions and we're really operating more at the height of our intelligence. Okay. So let's go back to the, to, to the earlier question about where does work front fit into this? I think I know yeah. the answer from what you told me, but yeah. I mean, you explain it. Okay, so um, I'll, give you, I'll give you an example. We used to run a weekly meeting and we would have all work come through that meeting and we had about 10 people attend that meeting so that they could hear someone present a project, they could ask questions about it and then we could decide as a team if we were gonna move forward with it. And a lot of times there were action items, there would be follow-up, people would need to get more information. Now with Workfront, we can do all of that within the tool. I can get a notification on the app, I could be in line at the grocery store, I could be at the beach, I could be at home, I could be working, I could have my desktop right in front of me. But I can take a look at all of that, I can fire back questions, I can tag other individuals in it, everyone can be looking at that, and we can do it in a lot more of a real-time or a near real-time fashion. So we can really cut down the amount of time that we spend in meetings where maybe it's not relevant to everyone who's on the call. I mean, that's the nature of meetings, right? Is there certain parts that are relevant to certain people? But by getting people out of the meetings, into the tools, seeing the data there, seeing the, the dialogue that's gone back and forth between different people before they've been brought in, and seeing all that history, they can decide if they want to pick up the phone and talk to someone about it. But all of that can take place, and we can really focus everyone on the, the data that they need to look at instead of exposing them to some things that maybe just are not the best use of their time. How, how would that be different from my sending you an email, for example, and then CCing 10 other people who may or may not be directly or slightly indirectly, or maybe they could be in, in, in involved with a particular project. How different is it to that? Well, I find those long email chains really difficult to read, right? You have to read them kind of bottom up and you really read the whole thing and you really see all of that. And if it if it was a reply, where's the attachment? The documents are all in there, you know? So um, I, I find that, that it's a much quicker way to have that dialogue because you're not really having to just just go through all that. And I think emails too, the danger is that people get left off them or parts of them get truncated or too many people see them and, and it, it really clogs the inbox. And then there's all these statistics around all the unread emails too, right? Mm -hmm. But how do you know that people are paying attention? It's a really good question. I mean, I think that we see, we see the, um, the information right in the tool, you know, whether they approve it or reject it or comment on it. So there's that trail of data. Um, so it's kind of social in that sense. Right? It is, it is a little, you know, it's kind of blurring the line. We use other tools like Teams and Slack as well where you get, get some of that kind of interaction. But one of the nice features that I like is you can tag people in it, you know, so I can add as many people as I want or I can remove them from the chain. So it does become quite a bit more, more of like a social feed. Okay. And how have you structured this in such a way that 
Um, others can, for instance, say, you know what, I think this is really freaking important and this person who's not in the chain yeah. gets pulled in. What have you done? Have you created rules or something like that? Yeah, yeah, we do. We have a workflow with, uh, depending on what business lines are selected, what dollar amount is selected, mm-hmm. it gets routed to different people who need to sign off on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also a search feature and there was a, there was a, a thing that happened last week where someone from France who I've not ever heard of, uh, tagged me in an update and said, I'd like to know more about this project. Who in the French business has been consulted on this? So the project manager... Oh, that sounds familiar. (laughs) (laughs) The product manager, and this is just a a project request. It's a placeholder. It's not even a project yet, Uh, but it's it's a placeholder. (laughs) And so the project manager said, well, I've been engaged with this person. So then they started to talk about who's actually, they're naming names, so who's actually been involved so far, and even though the project charter hasn't been written yet, clearly here's a stakeholder who's emerged, right? He has come forward and started asking questions. And the product manager came to me and said, you know, I think I need to do a better job uh, making sure that everyone is aware of this project. And I said, I, I think the tool's doing some of that for you, right? This, this guy went in and he's, what did he work, search for the word French? But he, he found it and he started asking the questions and I think that that's really powerful because now we have someone who's coming in, giving us feedback potentially, wanting to bring more people in to deliver a better solution. Okay. What have been the challenges of actually making this stuff work? Well, I think the, the challenges are always, um, you know, change, right? Change is incremental and, and we don't like change for the most part. Now at JLL, I think we have a culture that really embraces change. We're known for internally challenging the status quo. And and so that is, is always interesting. Excuse me, has that been something that's been a feature of that company for a long time? I think so. It was that way when I joined. I've been with them almost nine years. Okay. So I think it is quite embedded. I don't think that that is is uh, new. I mean, I, the company has been around for 250 years, though, so I don't know if nine years is quite the... I, 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 we, we could have a whole discussion yeah. about that, but I mean, you, you tend to find that these very, very old companies, mm-hmm. um, what, what, what I found is that they fall into two camps. Either they're still working as they would have done some years back, or in recent years, there's been some kind of a light bulb moment that, yeah, we've been around a very long time, but that doesn't mean to say we're not going to get killed. And, and I've seen that specifically in Germany of all places, where it's very common. They have this idea called, of, of Mittelstand. And that's basically, the eight, I think it's 80 or 90% of German companies are privately owned. Right? Okay. Completely different to these markets here. Yep. <clears throat> and you'd be surprised how many of them are 100, 150. There's one I know that's 1,000 years old. 1,000 years old. Wow. Yeah. And uh, it's a winery. Oh. <laughs> of course it would be, wouldn't it? Um, it would either be that or stonemasonry, I guess. Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> um, but anyway, the, but, but and some of these in the last five, ten years, they've suddenly woken up to the fact that things around them are changing and that they have to start thinking differently. Well, I mean, look at every industry, right? Look at, at what's happened with taxis, with hotels, with retail, period. retail, yeah. right? All of those industries have been disrupted already. So To a degree. To a degree, right? They could be disrupted more. Mm. But we're seeing this disruption everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So 
I don't really think it's the time to be complacent and sit back and wait to be disrupted and then respond to it. I think what we're doing is we're we're disrupting ourselves. You know? I think, and, it, but I also think. Well, I mean, we're kind of going off on one yeah, here yeah. a little bit. I don't mind if, if you don't mind. I don't mind. But I think we also have to be very careful not to panic. Yes. Yes. Because because I've seen a lot of companies panic and make insane decisions as a result of that. Well, we have a strategy that's called Beyond. Thinking beyond, so Please beyond not. the present. Yeah, not bed, bath, and beyond. No, no, no. <laughs> beyond, and it, it originally started, I think, as uh, beyond 2020, and now that is really not that far ahead of us. So now we're just beyond because we're really, we're really looking forward to say what's what's way out there, not what's right ahead of us. Not let's respond to this competitive threat in this market or respond to this macroeconomic condition, but let's really look far out and think about what the future holds and what the possibilities are. Are those, so, are those becoming projects in their own right then for you as well? Oh yeah. I mean, we have digital, a whole digital transformation program and it's in our annual report and all of our um, investor relations materials. You can go out on the web and read all of this stuff, but we, we have clear strategies around all of this and it's been... Um, you know, there's there's a real close correlation to profitability and to leading these strategies. And I think I think you're right. You know, there is always the risk of panicking, right? But if you're doing it in a controlled, thoughtful manner, and it's part of your strategy, and you're taking the time to get the change right and make that change across your organization and do it very deliberately and intentionally, then you're not panicking, right? You're being, you're you're carrying out a strategy. Moving back to what we were supposed to be talking yes. about. <laughs> but this is good. This is really good stuff. Um, what have been the challenges working or getting Workfront to, to work for you, for you as a company? Have there been terribly many challenges or not really? Well, I think some of the challenge has been that we, at JLL, we're quite entrepreneurial and we have a, a great deal of autonomy, right? So I, I told you a little bit about my role and... Mm. And, you know, there's no one telling me how to spend my day today, right? I'm spending my day the way that I want to spend my day, working on what I think is important. So we had a lot of leaders come together. I think it was made the enterprise PPM standard at the end of 2017. That decision was made. And so my CIO came to me and said, I'm going to be announcing this. It's not up for debate. I want you to lead it. And I want to have a success. And I said, great. And he said, do you think we can take this process that you and I have been running you know, on electronic paper, not true paper, but we've been running a process for about a year and a half. Could we put it into Workfront? And I said, yeah. He said, could you run the weekly meetings from it? And I said, we could get rid of the weekly meetings. You know, we could have meetings on exception basis or pick up the phone or quick IM to ask a question about something. But instead of running a weekly meeting that's an hour, we could eliminate all of that and just, just deal with questions that people needed to be engaged with if we wanted to have deeper discussions. So we had that leadership support, right? So that was really important to have kind of that top down, you will use this tool. But then we were given the autonomy to say, okay, you decide what phase we're gonna roll out first. We were given some loose priorities. Yes, I wanna see these things in the tool and I wanna see these things done in the amount of time that we need to do them to get it right. I don't wanna rush it. I don't wanna force it and get it wrong. I wanna get it right, but I also, want to move it forward with pace. Mm. So I had that direction from my leadership. I have other people that I work with that had that same direction from their leadership, but they were given a different set of priorities. 
So we would get together as peers and say, okay, I've got these priorities from Eddie, and Elizabeth would say, I have these priorities from Matt, two completely different sets of priorities. And she'd go, I don't know anything about this priority number two on Matt's list. Do you know anything about that? And I said, oh, I run that process for us. I know that process inside and out. She said, can you take the lead on that? I said, sure. You want to take the lead on this? Sure. So then we would kind of cross-share when we got to certain junctures and say, here's here's a proposed process. What issues do you see with this? And so we kind of worked collaboratively and independently on the different priorities and then brought it all together. That's very unusual. Is it? Oh, crikey, yeah. Yeah. Because people want to protect her most of the time, right? Yeah, that's, I, that's I suppose. Very yeah. You know, and so some of these people that I worked with were on different teams, and so you could in some organizations say that yes right they would be protective and they would say no i'm going to do this this is mine but we said hey like let's just get it done right and and how do we get it done easiest and most efficiently because if i wanted to protect all of that then i'd have to do all that work myself yeah, yeah, yeah. and this way you have other people do the work for me yeah, yeah, yeah. you'd be surprised how rare it is to hear that huh it, it really is i mean people mostly want to protect turf right because they're, they're they're in management positions they have people working for them and their position gives them power over people, but it also gives them power over process. Well, I think that's so a really, you, like, old-school way of thinking. Trust me, it is com- very, very common. Very, very common. Huh. I would hope that would phase out as the generational shift. A hundred percent. the workforce, 100%. right? Because we hear all this information about... <laughs> about the new uh, generations that are coming up through the workforce, right? Mm-hmm. How they want more autonomy, they want more flexibility, and how that's really going to change this. And we are going to see those workforces turn over time, but that's going to take a lot of time. Well, yes and no, right? I mean, in, in my business, I have some very, fairly, fairly, well, at least by my standards, very young people, right? Mm-hmm. Now, so the, they tentative. They want to. They want to put an idea out, right? And so the first step for them is, can I put this idea out to this hoary old bugger who's been around for two hundred years? Absolutely, no problem whatsoever, right? And then you have a back and forth, and hopefully encourage them into, into thinking more critically about whatever the idea is. Yeah. Then comes the crunch point. We'll go and do it then. Oh, I don't know how. And then you start then you're into a different thing, see? Yeah, see, well... That's, that's what I think, that's how I think, that's how I see it today. I mean, I, hopefully I'm wrong. But, yeah. Well, yes, I don't, I don't think, I don't think, I hope, I, I don't hope I think I'm wrong because there's always a sense that maybe I could, um, you know, maybe I could mentor them into being able to do things and, be, by the way, you've got permission to screw it up, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and... and Interesting that you use the word mentor because that's where I was going to go with it next. Okay. Is, is you kind of, and we're just talking about this at lunch. You know, you have this this thing when you're maybe in the first decade of your career where you're kind of fake it till you make it, where you kind of keep up a little bit of a front and you don't quite want to admit to the older, more experienced people in the room that you don't know something. And then you kind of get into your next decade and you you see that there's actually a power in saying, I don't know that. Can you help me? that vulnerability that starts to come Mm. through and then when you have the courage to be vulnerable Mm. the first couple of times and it works to your advantage Mm. it really inspires you to take those risks right and if you have good mentors Mm. 
they'll encourage you to take those risks. Mm. You know, when I'm, when I'm mentoring people and I do a lot of mentoring now because mm. I had really good mentors. And so I, I see that value. And when you identify someone who is ambitious mm. and who is willing to take those risks, you want to encourage them and you want to give them, it's, it's almost like seeing a toddler try to climb something, mm. you know? And so you kind of maybe put something near them soft so that if they fall, they get a little frightened, but they don't really hurt themselves. You take, you, take right? the guard, you take the guardrails off by steps. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. So it's that same kind of thing because I feel like you always learn more from your mistakes than your successes. Mm-hmm. Something goes really well, you go, great, okay, I'm on to the next thing. But if you fail and you can reflect on that and it sticks with you, you can really learn so much more from it. So mm-hmm. how do we allow people to fail mm-hmm. without having the failures have critical impact, right? Sure. Let them fail safely. Okay. We've got, to, we've got to close up in about less than three minutes, two or three minutes, because I've got to be somewhere else, I'm sure you are. What have you taken away from this event that you want to take back to your people? You know, we, we've had some great sessions on empathy and vulnerability. And I think that has really shown through in some of the sessions that I sat in and hearing stories from people about willing to take risks. And so that's what I want to bring back is I want to encourage people to be more vulnerable, to share more stories, to be more empathetic in the workplace, to think about how they can inspire and help others. That's one of our our core leadership values at JLL is help others. And so I, I really see other organizations doing some of that or wanting to do some of that. And so I really want to go back and encourage people to take those risks and to be willing to help people and to collaborate and to be vulnerable and bring the human experience into it. You know, that's, I think that's the interesting balance we have here is as we transform digitally, right, we automate things. If we do it right, it allows us to connect more as humans. It allows us to stop all of that data entry and copying and pasting, forwarding of things, and it frees us up to have deeper human connections and to then be able to be more vulnerable and to have more intelligent decisions get made because you're actually willing to share more and collaborate. Okay, and and what could what could um, this particular company do to? help you go further in that what could workfront do yeah um one of the things that we were just talking about today was starting to highlight small features on little short videos you know a 45 second to a one minute video that highlights a feature and then has some statistics on the business outcomes that it can allow you to achieve right because that's what we're all focused on now right right, 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 right. is business outcomes so if they, can, if they can highlight a little quick snippet of a case study type of a thing with some statistics on how it's impacted a customer, we could feature that in a newsletter or put it on one of our social feeds, and then we could see that, that people will intuitively know how to apply that within our organization, and we'll, we'll see greater creativity come out of that. Rose, I think we, we're going to get thrown out. Thank you so much. Thank you. What a great conversation that was. Thank you so much to Rose Hayes of JLL. And until the next time, this is Den signing off.